the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30, we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. As we prepare for the reading of Scripture, friends, let us join our hearts in prayer. Merciful God, cleanse our hearts with the truth of your word and put your Holy Spirit within us so that we may receive your grace and glorify you in our grateful acts of service through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first reading comes to us from the prophet Isaiah. Listen for God's word to you. Shout loudly. Don't hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their crime, to the house of Jacob their sins. They seek me day after day, desiring knowledge of my ways, like a nation that acted righteously, that didn't abandon their God. They ask me for righteous judgments, wanting to be close to God. Why do we fast and you don't see? Why afflict ourselves and you don't notice? Yet on your fast day, you do whatever you want and oppress all your workers. You quarrel and brawl and then you fast. You hit each other violently with your fists. You should not fast as you are doing today if you want to make your voice heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I choose? A day of self-affliction, of bending one's head like a reed, and of lying down in mourning clothing and ashes? Is this what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Isn't this the fast I choose? Releasing wicked restraints, untying the ropes of a yoke, setting free the mistreated and breaking every yoke? Isn't it sharing your bread with the hungry and bringing the homeless poor into your house, covering the naked when you see them and not hiding from your family? Then your light will break out like the dawn and you will be healed quickly. Your own righteousness will walk before you, and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and God will say, I am here. If you remove the yoke from among you, the finger-pointing, the wicked speech, if you open your heart to the hungry and provide abundantly for all who are afflicted, your light 
will shine in the darkness, and your gloom will be like the noon. The Lord will guide you continually and provide for you even in parched places. God will rescue your bones. You will be like a watered garden, like a spring of water that won't run dry. They will rebuild ancient ruins on your account. The foundations of generations past you will restore. You will be called mender of broken walls, restorer of livable streets. The word of the Lord. second reading comes to us from the Gospel of Luke. Listen, the word is near to us on our lips and in our hearts. Jesus and his disciples sailed to the Gerasenes land, which is across the lake from Galilee. As soon as Jesus got out of the boat, a certain man met him. The man was from the city and was possessed by demons. For a long time he had lived among the tombs, naked and homeless. When he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down before him. Then he shouted, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. He said this because Jesus had already commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had taken possession of him, so he would be bound with leg irons and chains and placed under guard. But he would break his restraints, and the demon would force him into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion. He replied, because many demons had entered him. They pleaded with him not to order them to go back into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs. Jesus gave them permission, and the demons left the man and entered the pigs. The herd rushed down the cliff into the lake and drowned. When those who tended the pigs saw what had happened, they ran away and told the story in the city and the countryside. People came to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully dressed and completely sane. They were filled with awe. Those people who had actually seen what had happened told them how the demon-possessed man had been delivered. Then everyone gathered from the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave their area because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and returned across the lake. The man from whom the demons had gone begged to come along with Jesus as one of his disciples. Jesus sent him away, 
saying, return home and tell the story of what God has done for you. So he went throughout the city, proclaiming what Jesus had done for him. The word of the Lord. Before Shannon Bennett was a doctor, before she became the chair of science at the California Academy of Sciences Museum, she briefly lived in a leper colony. Within two weeks of arriving in Liberia, where she volunteered as a teacher, Bennett contracted a strain of malaria that had evolved resistance to the vaccines she had dutifully taken. And then, while fever chills racked her body, she picked up amoebic dysentery. That's right, dysentery, which those familiar with 90s computer games will recall as the downfall as of many a party member in your Oregon Trail game. Bennett was surprised that leper colonies still existed in 1989, but she was glad to receive quality nursing care. Leprosy, or Hansen's disease, carries severe stigma, although it is only infectious over a prolonged period of intimate exposure. These women and men had to work together to create a life of dignity for themselves and their families, which Bennett found inspiring. In an odd twist, that social stigma shielded Bennett when an attempted coup swept the country. As rebel forces unleashed machine gun fire on the town where she served, killing many innocent people, the leper colony was untouched out of fear. Fear looms large in our gospel reading today. The man possessed by demonic forces cuts a frightening character, naked and dirty, roaming the tombs, unable to be restrained out of his mind. But although the suffering man might scare the people who try to lock him up, he is scared of Jesus or rather the collection of demons known as Legion is scared. Shrieking, cowering, begging, this is what happens when Jesus, who is unafraid, commands the evil spirits back into the abyss. But banishing the demons does not banish fear. When folks from countryside and city alike, gaze at the healed man, fully dressed and in his right mind. Their awe turns to fear. They beg Jesus to leave them alone, to get out of town, all because, Luke records, they were overcome with fear. These days, these strange national emergency pandemic days, it's easy to look at photos of empty grocery store shelves and roll our eyes at coronavirus-induced panic. Easy to ask, 
what are you going to do with all that toilet paper? It's harder to probe deeper into the fear itself. A friend and mentor of mine has spent the last few years going deeper, naming the way that fear shapes our lives. There is plenty out there to be afraid of. Climate change, stock market volatility, mass shootings, and now a public health crisis. We are scared that we are not good enough parents, or good enough students, or not good enough just simply that. We're loath to bring up areas of disagreement with people that we care about. We're afraid of saying the wrong thing or using the wrong words. We're afraid about the future, afraid about the risks, afraid of what might happen if fill in the blank. And it takes no time at all for us to fill in that blank with any number of things. Going deeper, though, going deeper uncovers fear's convincing, conniving voice. Fear says there is not enough, not enough resources, not enough respect, not enough health, not enough humanity to go around. If some people have fear reasons others don't have by default, or intention. As a nation, Kara writes, we are already sick with fear. It is our pre-existing condition that makes us a high-risk population for coronavirus anxiety. Because the threat of loss is everywhere, we practice constant urgency and tireless vigilance, except we're all tired our collective immune system is weakened. Go back to the empty shelves. We received practical advice. Be prepared with some supplies at home so that if you get sick, you don't have to go out and possibly infect others. But we heard stockpile food and paper products because if you don't, there won't be enough for you. We heard buy as many Lysol wipes and bottles of hand sanitizer as you can so that you can barricade yourself safely away from those dangerous others. Our nation, our world is overcome with fear, but we do not belong to fear. We do not belong to demonic forces, whether they are called legion, or everyone for themselves, or anti-Chinese xenophobia. We belong to God, which means that we belong to each other. Yes, yes, we belong to God. The psalmist sang, we are God's people, the sheep of God's pasture. God loves us as tenderly and as fiercely as a mother loves her children. Jesus taught us to pray, saying, our Father, calling on the God who made all of us and cares for each one.
and we belong to each other. At the heart of the Torah, in the book of Leviticus, the Eternal One says, You must be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And that holiness translates to the commandment that hangs in our sanctuary this Lenten season. You must love your neighbor as yourself. Even more, Jesus says, you must open your heart to receive your neighbor's love. Jesus saw a man who terrified his neighbors, but Jesus was not afraid. Jesus freed him, healed him, restoring him to the truth that he does not belong to legion, he belongs to love. But the people who flocked to the tombs couldn't wrap their minds around this change. Fear held them in its tight grip so tight that they could not open their hearts. Instead, they rejected the unknown. They resisted the impossible. The Gospels record many reactions to Jesus' healing. Astonishment, gratitude, anger, disbelief. But this is the only time I can think of where folks ever said, get out of here, Jesus. We don't want your healing. And loving them still, Jesus leaves. But that's not the only thing he does. Jesus sends the healed man home, saying, tell the story of what God has done for you. And amazingly, this man whose heart has been broken and now created anew, he does just that. In a world overcome with fear, Jesus sends us, people who trust that we belong to God, people who know that we belong to our neighbors. Bear witness, Jesus says. Tell your story. Share the love that you have known. It is, after all, the perfect love of God that will cast out all our fear. As uncertain and anxious as the last few weeks have been here in upstate New York, acknowledging that it has been far worse in other parts of the United States and around the globe, given all of this, we have seen the love and grace of God shine through our world in surprising ways. We've watched videos of quarantined Italians out on their balconies, music spilling onto the streets below, from Sicily to Siena, in Florence and in Turin, guitars and flutes and operatic voices are sending a message to ears all around. We belong to each other. There is enough human dignity to go around. On Thursday, 
Congresswoman Katie Porter bore witness to the crushing burden of being uninsured in the U.S. When Dr. Robert Redfield, director of the Centers for Disease Control, testified before Congress, Porter took out a whiteboard and did the math. A test for coronavirus costs $1,133. And that's before the price of treatment. But the CDC has authority to make those tests free to the public. Porter drilled Dr. Redfield and would not settle for excuses born out of fears, not enough lies. Under oath, he relented, the CDC will cover costs of testing. In that hearing, Porter pushed for the truth that we belong to each other. There is enough money for sick people to get tested. And because of this moment, lives have been saved. On our 40-day journey to the empty tomb, our congregation has taken up the practice of neighbor love being with our neighbors, enjoying them, and in doing so, receiving the grace of God. Today, neighbor love looks a little different. It means live streaming worship. It means encouraging our neighbors, especially folks over 60 and people with weakened immune systems to stay home in order to flatten the curve of possible infection. After worship, our leadership will gather to consider how Jesus sends us to our neighbors here and now. We know that there will be increased need this week as school districts are closed and parents who cannot afford to take off work are scrambling to figure out what to do with their children as college students can't go back to school and seniors who regularly see each other will be isolated. This moment calls for prayerful discernment. But we will not despair. We know what God has done in our lives. We are loved with an everlasting love. We are loved by a love that casts out all fear. Jesus has breathed on us the Holy Spirit, assuring us that we can never be cut off from God, anointing us to proclaim the good news to those who are impoverished or hungry or anxious. Even when death cast its shadow over Jesus on the night before his execution, he gave us his peace. I give to you, not as the world gives. Don't be troubled or afraid. Be encouraged. I have conquered the world. And so Jesus sends us out, just as the Holy One commissioned the people through Isaiah's prophetic words. Remove the yoke from among you. Remove the finger pointing and the wicked speech. Open your hearts 
to the hungry and provide abundantly to those who are afflicted. When we do that, we will stumble into the abundance of grace that God gives the world. Then our light will break out like the dawn and our communities will be healed. Then we will be like a watered garden, like a spring of water that won't run dry. Then we will be called menders of broken walls, restorers of livable streets, because we belong to the mender and restorer of the universe. Friends, do not be afraid. Recall these words from Episcopal Bishop Barbara Harris, who entered the communion of saints this week. The God behind you is greater than the problem in front of you. Receive the love of God poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, a love wrapped in the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. In these worrisome times, reach out to your neighbors with a phone call. Make space at your table. Make music. Tell stories. Lift up our community in prayer. In a world where so many believe that there is not enough, we know that God has given us grace upon grace to share. For such grace, let us give all our gratitude and all glory to God, from whom every family under heaven takes its name, who has pitched a tent alongside us, who sends us to the ends of the earth. Amen.